Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show. Sponsored by On Tire Tailgate System. at the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass all right happy memorial day and welcome to uh the rowdy maglash show we got kyle working we're gonna bring uh ross chastain into the post race here winner of the truck series congratulations to ross put on a heck of a race all weekend. So uh, we're going to go with Ross. <laughs> all right. We are now joined by the winning driver, driver of the number 41 Chevrolet for Nice Motorsports, and that is Ross Chastain. Ross, uh, maybe just open us up with uh, some thoughts about tonight's race, especially that that last restart. Yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts are Carson Hosevar won this race. He dominated. He's so fast. He's such a, a goofy kid, but he's so good at 19 years old and future star in the sport, probably coming for my job or, or somebody else's. So it's amazing to me that he's 10 years younger than me and he's doing things that I'm learning from him. So um, just hats off to him and Phil Gould and that 42 group. Um, the best part about this, though, is that Nice Motorsports, probably for the first time um, ever, I mean, I could probably count two or three other times where we had – two real chances to win, two trucks that things go right could win. There was a few times a few years ago um, where I thought, a co- you know, w- one of my other teammates could win. So um, I'm just happy to pick up the smashed watermelon pieces after, um, you know, Carson couldn't win. Um, I'm happy and so proud to uh, to pick it up and run with it and, and win with Worldwide Express, their first win in NASCAR. Um, they are the shipping company that – the best shipping company that nobody knows about yet. And um, – you're going to see them spread out throughout the sport, and um, they're supporting me and other drivers and other teams, and you're going to continue to see them and continue to hear about them. Thank you, Russ. If you have a question for us, please raise your hand. We'll get your mic. Get your mic, and we'll start over here with Bob. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. I have two. The first is, uh, is this more valuable because you have a good feeling for the rest of the weekend or because you got to kind of – race on the resin and see what it would do. Yeah, race on the track, do a green flag pit stop, um, race, yeah, run the run the spray, run the very top, uh, move around, try the bottom, try the, the bottom on restarts. Um, the, the new cup cars are quite a bit different than the trucks, but just making those making those muscle memory, uh, you know, those movements sharper, um, it, it's all just, just racing helps no matter what. And especially on the same track, I'll race a wheelbarrow. And uh, you, you mentioned Carson, and he obviously was a little down on himself. He felt like he made a mistake. Priest was pretty down on Hosevar, feeling that um, maybe he didn't drive with as much respect as he should. I'm just curious kind of how you saw the, those last few laps. And also, you know, when you're racing in the trucks, what are kind of the expectations? I mean, do you, is, there, is there an expectation that guys who are young are going to be making mistakes? If you want to talk about mistakes, I think it was lap one or lap two. I made a mistake in the turn one, and I drove in way too deep and bounced up into Carson and hit him on, like, the first lap. So if you want to talk about mistakes, I am I was the first one of the entire field probably to do that. So, yeah, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's there's no way around it, right? Carson, he did. He made a mistake, but that's part of learning. And if I would have given him the shove into turn one on the second to last restart, he would have won the race, and it would Priest would have never even been close. I messed up. Um, I let him down. So that put him in a really bad spot with Priest tight on his door, and Priest knew what he was doing. And I mean, you know what's going to happen whenever you're um, when you're racing for the win like this. It's I can't believe John Hunter in, in the 98, I think, that we all made it on the final lap. So, um, yeah, mistakes were made by all of us. Priest isn't immune to that, but I, I understand where Priest is coming from. I'd, I'd be the same way if I was in his shoes. Uh, Reed Spencer with the NASCAR Wire. Two questions. Um, one, Grant says you owe him one. Could you have won the race without the push on the backstretch? Absolutely not. Nope. No, that's, that's why I took the top was – the momentum's always going to come to the outside, um, and that's yeah. There was uh, I guess two Toyotas lined up on the bottom and two Chevys lined up on top. And my brother said it his very first race, like sweet, sweet Chevy power, like we Chevys won. And that leads to the second. Did um, did Carson make a mistake by not taking the top? There's no way to say that in the moment. Um, coming to the restart, I was. I was confident that we had everything we needed to go win the race, and I did not get through the gears good enough. I gave him him an initial push in the reading the restart zone, and then I was a truck length back, and I did not do a good job from there on. So um, if I would have stayed attached, Carson Hosfar wins this race. He drives away. I fight for second or third. Um, happy to do that. So um, the mistake was the 41 truck not getting through the gears. Um, that's that's not me being hard on myself. That's not just me sugarcoating anything else it's the simple fact is if i would have pushed him like i should have he would have won this race go over here in the back right to steven steven toronto cbs sports ross uh you heard it anyone on the uh who was on the front stretch and post race heard it when uh, when your crew guy brought the watermelon out for you to do your watermelon smash, the, the crowd here went nuts, and uh, it seems like people have really gravitated toward your signature celebration. Um, given that you've lived your entire life in the agriculture in, industry, and you've been such a huge ambassador for the watermelon industry in particular, what has it been like? For, what has it been like for you to have the fans embrace? your watermelon smash celebration as much as they have it means the world it's it's everything that i've ever wanted i was a farmer and i was going to be like my dad and like my granddad and like the seven generations of chastains that farmed watermelons before us and they were farming a lot longer than that i'm proud that we are a small part of feeding this world and the fact that i can give back to the industry, to agriculture, that not only has supported my family, but that feeds the world and smash this seminous watermelon on the front stretch is absolutely incredible to have the first watermelon queen here for a win. Georgia Watermelon, this is the kickoff of their season. They've been with me. The Watermelon Associations have been with me for year, my entire career. My very first race at IRP, we had Chef Poon and we had watermelon queens and we were cutting up watermelon. I spent more time at IRP out in the fan zone than I did actually like getting ready for the race. And it's just incredible that it, that something so simple as a watermelon can ha 
has molded my family into what we are. And we're so proud to be farmers. We're proud to be in agriculture. We're proud to be a very small part of feeding this world. And um, to have NASCAR fans react the way they do, you know, it's tr it is. It's truly everything that I've ever wanted. Thank you. Any, uh, we'll go up here to Jordan and check if there's anything in the press box. Jordan Bianchi, the Athletic. You uh, you seem kind of taking like a leadership role at Nice, and when you come down and do these you know spot starts and you're behind the scenes and everything as well, is that something you enjoy and embrace? Half the time, I'm asking more questions in the comp meetings than anybody else is. Um, I mean, yeah, I, the, you know, I, I I raced at Charlotte for the first time in 2012. I before I ever raced in NASCAR, I did a, I we showed up one afternoon and they were doing petty ride-alongs. I rode right seat. We went in the corner. I couldn't even see over the dash. I was probably 14. I don't even think it was really legal to do, but yeah, I won't even go with any more detail. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been racing here for 10 or 11 years now, and I've hit the wall here about everywhere possible. And if I can just help help Dean, Lawless, Chris, or Carson, or anybody, anybody that comes and asks me, I'm all ears. I'm still learning, and I hope I never stop learning. The, the day that I don't wake up and think about how to make a race car go faster, and I don't wonder what I could do better than the next guy, I probably should stop racing. So um, that's the biggest thing I push – all these guys and girls to do that, that I talk to and that, that we are all trying to be better race car drivers. I don't look at it as a leadership. I look at it as racers racing and we're preparing at the shop to win races. And that's where these races are won. So um, yeah, at Nice, I'm, I'm all team Al Nice and Nice Motorsports. Y'all, y'all seen that y'all heard it. Um, I'd, I'd do anything for that guy and Cody Efall. And then a follow-up, as you become more solidified at the Cup Series and you know what you're going to be doing and you're having success, do you look at the Truck Series and with Nice as an opportunity to kind of maybe expand a little bit and kind of dip your toe into being involved with the team behind the scenes and kind of having a more of a role in the saying things? You think I'm going to be like these other guys and go on a NASCAR team? You're crazy. <laughs> there ain't no way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, the best way to make a – a small fortune in racing is to start with a big one, and I don't have a big fortune. So uh, I'm going to keep uh, investing in what I know in, in agriculture, and in, in that's I will go race and I will help however I can. Um, but yeah, to, I mean, I think to answer the, the question behind the question, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's not going to be Al Nice with Ross Chastain or by any means. So um, I'll help however I can, and I will, um, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think. I know from my past, when I've had to race with a dollar amount attached to the race car that was that I that I had it on the line, I could not race as good. And the day that I, I remember the first race that it truly, if I crashed or I won, it did not matter money-wise for me. And for me, being as cheap as I am, just being honest, that was the difference maker in me being able to go that extra step. And I don't ever, selfishly, I don't want to go back worrying about dollars and cents on race cars i want to race and um i don't i don't want to get on the other side of the of the business table um i just don't think i i don't i don't have the bandwidth for that honestly i just i, I don't think i'm smart enough to do it i'm smart enough to drive race cars i'm smart enough to maybe grow but definitely eat watermelons and that's about all that i want to do right here hey ross trent with uh, frontstretch.com 
Uh, a lot of fans who might watch on TV, you know, they may assume, you know, cup drivers coming down to, like, the Xfinity or Camping World Series may have an easier time out there. Just how challenging is it to race against these guys, even despite being at the in the top series of the sport? <laughs> so challenging. I mean, I ran seventh that whole stage three and, and couldn't, couldn't pass the group in front of me. And um, a really, you know, Cody Fall making a, a short pit call to, to pit early. We have our number one pit crew from the from track house, so the same guys will pit me on Sunday or pitting me here. Like awesome pit stop. All the times over the years I've been able to come on and off pit road, I feel like I did a pretty good job. That's the difference maker that I probably have more experience at. But lap time and racecraft, like these guys were taking my air away. They were getting me on restarts. I was getting put bottom of three, middle of three, top of like. They were blowing my doors off. I felt like a rookie, honestly, a lot of times. And then um, once we jumped them on the pit cycle under green, we were in third. I lost it to John Hunter. Again, I couldn't pass a lap truck. Like, this guy's out here, he's going a lap down, and I can't, I'm running third, and I can't pass him. And John Hunter blows by both of us. So um, there's still a lot for me to clean up, especially if I want to go race competitively on Sunday. So learn from this. Um, the cars and trucks drive a lot different, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I had enough upper hand other than the fact that I've been doing it for 11 years now that's you just you just can't buy experience and that's why I race as much as I can I'm selfish and I want to be better do you have anything do we have anything up in the press box well yes yes we do all right get that my man a microphone No, I, I have to study to be a race car driver and watermelon stuff. Anybody that's ever had a conversation with me or asked me this question, I can ramble on and on about watermelons. And yeah, it's it's not it's not forced. It's it's truly what I never had a choice when it came to watermelons. My brother Chad and I are eighth generation watermelon farmers, and Chad has done a whole lot more in the industry. And my dad and granddad, I have cousins, aunts, uncles, all kinds of family members, and now new to the family friends that have came into the company and became family and the whole ag industry is a family and that's why you don't see us promoting a brand of uh, at the grocery store a specific brand you hear about florida watermelons georgia watermelons Ileana, delaware mardell the national watermelon association and the national watermelon promotion board because we all promote together um it's it's so cool that the ag industry has supported me. Now this this is a seminist grown watermelon, and for companies like Bayer and, and Seminist to come in and support me now and want to be a part of this watermelon celebration when we win, um, that's that's just so cool to me that agriculture is now getting more and more on board with me because I just want to talk about it and I want to tell people about how we're a, really a silent majority. I mean, there's so many farming and so many people across this world. It's really a small percentage, but there's so many people that are in charge of feeding the rest of us. I don't, I'm not in charge of feeding anybody, but my family is. And watermelons are a small part, but agriculture as a whole, it's just what I love and I want to talk about it and I want to use this platform. Now, it's not to say that Worldwide Express isn't the best shipping company that nobody's ever heard about. And now as 
we continue to go through all this, it becomes more and more natural for me to talk about people that truly believe in me and that I believe in them. We have another one in the press box. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to keep that between us, um, honestly, Chris. And and I think Carson knows that the sun is going to come up tomorrow, and he's going to take his time, look through this. Yeah, it's tough. I've I've been there. I've lost a lot of races, and it never gets easier. Um, and I'm not even going to pretend to act like it's even easy for me to sit here and watch. I mean, I had a front row seat for what all happened. And, gosh, if I could run it back again and, and it go play out different, I don't care what happens to me, honestly. Like, Carson Hosevar deserves to win this race, and and I hate that it didn't work out. But he's got to get up, you know, whether it's tomorrow or Sunday or Monday and put one foot in front of the other. It's not the end of the world, and that's probably what I'll go to him with after some time is that I know it does. It Even for me right now, I, I'm getting emotional because it feels like to me it is the end of the world for him, but it's not. The sun will come up, and he will get back in the race truck, and he will go win, and he will compete for wins, and these motorsports will continue to bring fast trucks and he will continue to race in NASCAR for a very long time. And it's really hard to see that in the moment. I mean, y'all have watched it play out for me. You, the wild part about this sport is you watch it play out live, HD, cameras in our faces, and, gosh, we're just young boys and girls, like, chasing a dream. And for him, this is all that he wants, and nothing else matters. Definitely his family, Peyton, like, we're thinking of her. Like, I know that's on his mind. And I'm sure he wanted to win for everything, right, and himself included. But um, he'll just have to put one foot in front of the other and, and believe that it will get better and that he will have more chances. And, and in that next opportunity, you just learn from this one and you make, you know, one tactical move a little different, you drive into victory lane. All right. Hey, uh, just hanging there on mute. Uh, congratulations, Ross Chastain. And, uh Carson Hosevac, man. I, I hate it for Carson, but he's got a long future in NASCAR. and He's going to visit that that uh, checkered flag in victory lane really soon. But rolling on along here, uh, we're going to bring Josh Berry in on the post race here. Uh, Josh Berry winning at Charlotte in the Xfinity Series. What a weekend, man. Josh Berry. All right. We've now been joined by our race winner from today's Alskull Uniforms 300 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Josh Berry, who's the driver of the number eight Harrison's Chevrolet. Congratulations, Josh, on that win. I know it uh, probably feels nice to pull into victory lane at Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is the first time that a JRM car has won at Charlotte, so congratulations on that little record as well. Um, if you don't mind, give us a few quick um, kind of you know n- nuggets from your vantage point of those last few laps before we open up for questions. Yeah, no, um, you know, obviously, uh, junior motorsports, we've been on an amazing run the last, last month or so and, or a couple really, really last six months. And, um, I felt like we, 
you know, I actually felt like we had the best practice we've had all year yesterday. I thought we had a really good car. I felt really good about going today. And But I'm not sure that I knew I could rip the fence for Char- at Charlotte for 200 laps without hitting it. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, man, that was phenomenal. The battle with Justin was so intense. It just seems like me and him just find each other and race each other. And um, I knew the green flag cycle would be really important. Um, I tried to maximize as much as – um, I could getting in there. I don't. I probably left a little bit out there, and that kind of worked against us. But it, I mean, I've never done a green flag pit stop here. So, um, you know, all in all, amazing day. Be uh, really excited for Harrison's USA. They're regionally based. They have six stores here in the Carolinas, and I know they're excited to get to Victory Lane. All right, we're going to now go to questions, and we'll start with a question from Matt, and then come up front. Matt Weaver, Racing America. What's up, Josh? Um, the hard racing with Justin, I believe he came over to, to Victory Lane to congratulate you, too. What is the racing like with him, and then what did he tell you in Victory Lane? Um, yeah, he just said good job and acknowledged all our guys. You know, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, the reality of it is, is, like, our cars are phenomenal right now, and there's five of us in the top five, seven, eight, whatever it is. You know, we're going to have to race each other. And um, more times than not, Justin and I seem to find each other racing for these wins, and you know, it was it was intense, but um, you know I respect Justin. Um, he's a uh, he's a very underrated race car driver. He's very he's very good, and and um, you know we're right now. The reality of it is is that we're pushing each other to get better every week, and uh, that that was a tough battle for sure. But um, you know it come down to it that who was going to slip, and luckily I didn't. A lot of years of running races down the road at Concord. Um, winning the first race for JRM here, winning a race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. How rewarding is it to make that transition from being Concord short track winner to Concord big track winner? Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Um, you know me better than anybody, right? Like I, um, I've been running up and down the East Coast, the Carolinas, Virginia, racing late models, and I accomplished a lot of amazing things, but the reality of it is, is I never knew I could do things like this. And um, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that I've been that I've received with Junior Motorsports to get here. You know, they continued to believe in me for years, and we grinded away on the short tracks and um, just just never just never let up. You know, just always tried to get better. And um, you know, I'm learning more about myself now in the last two years than I ever have. And um, so thankful, just thankful to be here and to win at, win at Charlotte's really special. We have a lot of, you know, obviously, like I said, Harrison's USA and a lot of guests from our sponsors, uh, family members, you know, employees at Junior Motorsports that don't get to come every race. You know, I mean, it's it's special. Like you said, I mean, it's always special racing around here. All right, Steve, go ahead. Um, Josh, uh, uh, JR Motorsports won 63 Xfinity races, the first one at Charlotte. Is that hard to believe for you, and uh, what does that feel like to – finally uh get that monkey off the back yeah i know um you know, i'll be honest i've I've been an employee at junior motorsports since 2010 and i've seen him struggle a lot at charlotte so i think we all knew this was going to be a great benchmark for where we were at as a company and um i think i'll speak for everybody there that i think it exceeded our expectations um all of our cars were really good especially justin and i know i had some trouble early on i'm not really sure what happened to him and but um, at the end of the day, we're putting four cars, sometimes five, up front every week. And the reality of it is, is that the odds are, odds are higher for contact and good racing, and they're but they're also a lot higher for wins and stage wins, and that's what we're trying to do. All right, we're going to continue with questions. We'll go in the back. Stephen, go ahead. We can get a microphone. Okay, here it comes. Hey, um, 
Trent here with FrenchStretch.com. Racing your teammate like that, you know, it's a different type of racing. Um, what, what's it like under the helmet for a driver when you do that? Is there, is there any smiles being cracked? You know, is it more fun than usual? And to follow up with that, back at the shop, what's the camaraderie like there between the JR te- teams and the drivers? Well, I mean, it's hard. That's exactly. I mean, it's hard racing your teammates. There ain't no way around it. Um, at the end of the day, we're all in the same car. You know, we all work with our teams each each and every week to to just try to be a little bit better than the other three. And you're going to have those moments like you did today where we're just just going at it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, but the reality of it is, I respect the hell out of Justin, and he's helped me a lot. And and racing like this, this hard is only it's only making all of us better. Um, and, but at the end of the day, like I said, it, it's, it's tough to, to, to race like that. I mean, cause the reality of it is, is you want to win for your team, but you're representing a lot of people uh, back in Mooresville that would love to see a one, two, not, not both of us spun out in the, in the wall. So, um, it's a tough balance. I'm learning learning more about it every week, but, um, you know, I'm just thankful to be here. thankful to have fast cars right now. And we're just going to try to keep the throttle down. All right, we're going to go to Stephen and then up front. Go ahead. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Josh, you, you talked about being at JRM for a long time, and you, you've also driven multiple cars within this organization. And, and in years past, it, it always felt like uh, one or two of JRM's cars would be ahead of where the other two were. Say the, uh, say the one or the eight would be behind the nine and the seven a little bit, or, or vice versa. Now this season, all four have been extremely competitive and fixtures in the top five. What do you think that the difference has been this year to allow every car in the organization to be performing at uh, the same high level that they have? Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the race cars are super fast. And, I mean, everybody at the shop's been working really hard. We get a lot of support from Hendrick Motorsports. Um, you know, I, I don't know... You know, I don't know behind the scenes what, if anything's really changed uh, from last year. I'm not really sure there has. But at the end of the day, I, I really honestly believe that all four of our teams are working t- together pretty well. It might not look like it, but and I think um, having four consistent drivers in the car every week is helping. And I think that Sam and I are, are helping, you know, push – push Justin and, and Noah to get better, and they're, and they're pushing us to get better. And that's what I said. I mean, it's healthy competition when you can run like that. It's tough on days like this. It's tough when things happen to each other. But at the end of the day, we're pushing each other to be better, and, and if I don't win, I want one of them to win. And, you know, it's across the board, Noah and Justin and Sam as well. Sam's been, you know, knocking on the door, right? He's going to win. And after he wins, he's probably going to be off to the races after that. So um, we're just going to keep – just trying to to work and keep our head down and get better every week. All right. Any questions upstairs in the press box? Come back down. Way to go, dude. Um, so you're, you're it's harder to race your teammates. Does that mean that you would have raced if it wasn't Justin behind you and beside you and all over you? Would you have raced somebody else differently? I don't know. That's a hard, that's a hard question to answer. Um, you know, the reality of it is, is, is Justin will say himself, he's super aggressive and, um, I've learned that I have to be the same. And, 
you know, I, I don't, I find myself with him racing harder than some other people, but, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, it continues to make us better. I mean, you saw the gap we were able to put on third, pushing each other there and just trying to be perfect. And, and really that's, that's all I was trying to do at the end. I was trying to be perfect. I was trying to lay it right on the wall without hitting it. I wanted to maximize my pit green flag entry and, and do everything I could to help those guys. And uh, it's just about being accurate at the end of those races and staying focused. And, you know, it was tough. You know, it's tough here, like, when the bottom is slick as it was. You know, the top was super dominant. The bottom was not good. It was it was pretty slick. And, you know, it's hard to make passes like that. You're kind of at the mercy of the guy on your outside of how much room he wants to give you. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we, we made it made it to the end and got the win. All right. Any final questions for Josh? Okay, we're going to wrap with Matt. Oh, go ahead, Al, and then we'll wrap with Matt. Yeah, Al Pearson, Motor Week. How much contact, if any, did y'all have on the pass that sort of took him out of it? Yeah, we did. Um, you know, honestly, when you're running off of – when you're running the fence like that, like you're you're obviously trying to get to the wall as close as you can, but you're losing, you know, aerodynamics being behind him. So you're kind of show you show your left front to try to see where he's at. And honestly, I, I followed him into the corner probably – um, a little bit deeper than I guess both of us should have, and he slipped, got in the fence, and I, as I tried to turn down to to stay off him, I got loose, and we we rubbed. There's some donuts on the side of the car, but at you know, I mean, I was a little bit worried. I was like, man, what if it cuts the tire down or something? But like I said, we made it. All right, Matt, go ahead. Just to follow up on Sam, uh, you've kind of worked with Sam since he first started driving uh, stock cars and so to see his development from where he was to where he is now what are you guys working with him on and, and what is his ceiling as a NASCAR driver yeah I think um, you know first off to answer this beginning of your question like yeah Sam came into our late model program in 2018 um, he was 14 years old and you know I was there for every race he ran um, every test he had and he most definitely has talent and he's um, he always raced really well. Sometimes he didn't practice, you know, he didn't practice qualify well, but he would always race really well, and that's what always impressed us. And then even when he went to the, the K&N and then ARCA series, um, you know, I spent time with those guys um, helping coach and, and get kind of help that program get started. I was kind of behind the scenes on it and really saw him grow a lot. And, you know, the, for Sam, um, he had a difficult a situation to step in last year as, as anybody, right? I mean, he's – He's 18, stepping into the Xfinity Series, like, you know, whether I was, you know, obviously I won at Martinsville. We had a lot of good runs, but maybe um, I was getting a lot of popularity at that time, and he has to come in, and some of his days were harder than they should have been. And But he continued to keep his head down. He's very talented. He's going to win. He's going to just continue to get better like all of us, and um, I'm happy to have him as a teammate and a friend. All right. Well, Josh, congrats again on this win, um, and we wish you the best of luck next week in Portland. Thank you, guys. All right. That's Josh Berry there with his uh, Xfinity win. Man, oh, man. We was almost going to take the 600 into the next day, but Denny Hamlin brings it across and snags that win for Toyota. Hey, let's listen to to, to Denny at Darlington, Denny hadn't been a happy guy now. This ownership kind of working on him. But, hey, now he seems to be a little happy. 
There you go. All right. Good evening. Good morning. I'm not sure which one it is officially, but we are going to start here with our post-race media availability this evening from the Coca-Cola 600 here at Charlotte Motor Speedway with our race winning team, which is the 11 team from Joe Gibbs Racing. We've now been joined by the crew chief, Sam McCauley, and we'll get a couple of thoughts from Sam on this victory, and then we will go to media for questions. So, Sam, before we do that, congratulations on this um, win tonight. Um, I know that you were in a little bit of a unique situation. The whole team was coming into this weekend. I know Denny spoke about that yesterday after the pole win. But just talk a little bit about how this team has rallied, won the pole yesterday, won the Coke 600 today, and just kind of what all that feels like here um, in this moment. Cool. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Um, you know, so having, you know, it's kind of a, it was a tough, tough deal, you know, being, getting um, two of our guys on the pit suspended and Gabe Hart. Um, but, you know, we really did a lot of pit practice this week. You know, JGR pit department worked a lot with Mike and Nate, our two fill-ins on the pit crew. And they, they did a great job all night. You know, that, so on that side of it, you know, a lot of hours put in. A lot of reps for them in their new positions with Nate at Jack and Mike on the right front, left rear. Um, and, you know, so then on the car side, you know, having, I think the, the main focus was just, you know, we really need to, we just need to bring the best car we can, you know, like we always do. Um, but I'd say getting the pole, you know, that was definitely a, something we were really working on. And I think that, that was major tonight um, because, you know, having the new guys on the pit crew, we needed having that built-in advantage of stall one uh, was very beneficial for us. Just, just you know, mindset of knowing we have an advantage here. We just need to, you know, be solid, uh, maintain, and then ultimately I think that was, you know, really that was part of the key of ensuring we were first car on four tires on that last stop. All right. We'll now go to questions. If you have questions, raise your hand. We're going to get a mic to you. We're going to start with Matt Weaver, and then we'll work our way over to Trenton. Go ahead, Matt. Matt Weaver, Racing America. Um, kind of, again, like, walk me through your day. Like, what are the nerves like, the pressure? Like, does it feel like just another race? I mean, you can't, right? Like, to go from like, where you started earlier today, and then you get to the finish and things go crazy, and then you think, we've got a shot at it, and I'm on the pit box. What is that entire up and down like? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, definitely a very – uh, long day. I think I think there's a lot of talk coming into this weekend from everybody in this in the series that you know this could be one of the longest Coke 600s we've ever had, and you know it proved to be up there. Um, I I'd, I'd say I think that just Denny his experience um, of really staying in it. You know there's quite a few times through the race that car wasn't right. You know we were he could make up some ground on a restart. Um, and then we'd start to fall back a little bit you know, on both sides of the balance. Um, but I think the key was really just, you know, him fighting to get those spots to keep us up there in the top ten where we're, you know, we're on the back end of getting a couple stage points. And then, you know, I think it started to turn there when he got, uh, you know, multiple good restarts in stage four to put us – and once we got to the top five, well, now it's, you know, the message was we're in the top five with the number one pit stall – you know, we can't beat them straight up, but let's just keep fighting here. And, then, you know, with the race being so much attrition, so many people, you know, falling out of the race, I think that was 
the biggest the biggest deal. I think Denny understood that from the get go, and even mentioned it at one point. You know, at halfway, like this is a a survival race, kind of like it's felt at the Daytona 500 sometimes. Um, just you know, not but you also have you know durability concerns and just all sorts of you know things to fight the whole night. And then you guys have access to so much data and information on top of the pick box that kind of guides you guys towards making decisions. Was there a moment in the race where you felt like some kind of pressure that this is the decision I have to make? And if so, what was that moment, that decision you had to make? Um, you know, I think the way that it played out at the end with as many green laps we had on the tires, I think it was 47 or 48 green, That I'd say that the end of the race was where it really – you know, there was one of the first big decisions. There, were, there was a couple times that we had a debate staying out or, or pitting, but I'd say the last one for sure coming down to take four was the hardest, and you started to feel it there of, you know, this is a lot of pressure. But I think we were we were in a unique spot in the sense that we knew we we needed some sort of advantage to, to go up there and win. Uh, we didn't really feel like we wanted to be in a position where Denny had to defend um, because tires were falling off quite a bit and the left sides are wearing as much as the right. So for us, it, it was kind of like a – we didn't have to question it much. Like we we knew we were going to take four there, but that was – you know, you can start to feel the weight of it when it when it comes time to do that, you know, coming down in the end. All right, Trent, go ahead. Hey, Trent, Trent with FrontShows.com. Um, it's not just Denny who uh, this win means a lot to. It's, it's you guys, you know, the crew guys, the guys back at the shop. Um, one of the crew guys told me afterwards he's been waiting 17 years to, for this to happen, 13 with your team. So what does this mean for you as a crew chief and the rest of the team and the guys at the shop to finally win this race? Oh, man, it's a it's a huge race. I think um, I mean, this is – I would call this my seventh Coke 600. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of winning the Daytona 500, but it's definitely a, a different – feeling than the Daytona 500 um, and I think from a team aspect of building a car that's capable of going the full distance and being able to compete at a high level the entire night um, I think it's just it's very more so than almost any other race you just feel like it has to be a full team effort to win this race and, um, and I think it's a lot of guys on the team, you know, you, you feel like preparing for the weekend too, just how how big it is, you know, pack stands, and I, it's very special for sure. It's it's a big deal. Okay. Any questions upstairs in the press box? Okay. Any questions downstairs? Okay. Thank you. Any final questions downstairs? All right. Well, Sam, congratulations again. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Pick whichever seat. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue with our post-race media availabilities here, now being joined by the team owner of Joe Gibbs Racing, Joe Gibbs. And, um, Joe, as you get settled there, I'll give you a quick opening question when we had that final restart we had Denny and Kyle battling together 
Um, I'm sure you were glad to have two in the hunt, but that also can provide a little bit of nervousness there. Um, just talk a little bit about those final laps and then ultimately Denny bringing home the checkered flag here in a race that he's, you know, been, been working to win for, for many, many years now. Well, I've always said uh, when I get the most nervous is when two of our cars are up there late because both of them want that so bad. Uh, you could tell Kyle was after it, Denny was. And so that's your greatest fear. The restart before that, the two lead cars took each other out, and that's what you're, you know, so afraid of. That race, uh, I don't know how to explain it, really. There was so much in it. It was, I said, I guess I've used a football term, that was physical. I mean, there were people pounding on each other. And uh, really, really proud of, we had some real disappointments on the 20 tonight. Really hurt Chris. I felt bad about that. And Martin and Bass Pro. Johnny was here. You just hate that. Uh, so you hate the disappointments like with DeWalt. But then you have the thrill of victory there. Um, I think Kyle gave you everything. And uh, to wind up with our two cars up there like that at the end, um, it was really special. That pit crew, uh, just for everybody here, you probably already have heard that, but two of those guys, that was only the second time they ever went over the wall. That was our crew that was filling in for our suspended group. So really, it was a great story. That's one of the great things about sports. I think that's the reason why we always like it, sports so much. It's the greatest reality show in the world. Nobody pictured that tonight would be our two cars winning and the stories that are all behind that. That's uh, one of the most you know, obviously challenging races to go 600 miles. And uh, I, I got to tell you, it was a thrill for me to be a part of it. God's blessed us with so much. Coy, myself, and I always thank of J.D. when we win a race like that, particularly here. So. Just really appreciate being a part of it. All right. We'll go to questions now here in the media center for Joe. We'll start with Trenton. We'll come up to Steve, and then we'll go to Stephen in the back. Check, check. There we go. <laughs> hey, Joe. Trenton with TrentStretch.com. Um, you're talking about having two cars battling it at the end right there. Um, what is it like you, especially the coaching background, having to coach these guys through the through the highs with Danny and Kyle Busch, you know, being disappointed with that finish? And then, like you were talking about with uh, Chris and Martin and those guys, you know, just how are you coaching those guys, you know, behind the scenes, you know, with different, you know, personalities and different um, emotions, you know, right after a, a race like this? Yeah, I think, first of all, the reason why I do really en enjoy the fact that it's totally different than football from the standpoint you got four teams. You're trying to get four teams to work together. That's really hard. It's very different. And I think that's our, uh, the reason why I think uh, so many of our fans, you know, love the challenge of it. They know that. And uh, so that's, a, that's something about our sport that's really different and, and a real challenge. At the race shop, we work together, four cars. At the racetrack, we're competing against each other. Our sponsors are such a big story, like FedEx tonight, getting to call, you know, uh, Fred and Raj and Catherine, Monica, everybody over there. It's just a, it's just a great experience. Call Bob Carter from Toyota and Jack and Dave. So that's a big part of the story. Then the personalities, yeah, um, you know, uh, our drivers are very different and uh, very different personalities. 
I think we've got a great group there, though. They share everything in our competition meetings, and I think it really makes us better. And um, so anyway, uh, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. All right, get a mic up here, too, Steve. Hey, Joe, Steve Reefen, Associated Press. Two-part question. First of all, Denny talked about um, this being so special to him. I wonder if you knew, you knew how much how special this was to him. And secondly, what is it about the Toyotas that have kind of figured it out on these uh, mile and a half, it seems? Yeah, I, I would say with Denny, you know, to race that hard that long and to be here and know how important this race is um, right here in our backyard, this is just a huge deal. I've, I've had experiences here where Bobby Labonte won his first race here and everybody was crying in the winter circle. It's very emotional and all, everything that goes with it. I really, you know, thank uh, Bruton and Marcus for all they do here. This is a real um, showpiece for us. Think about this. Our race team is here in Charlotte, so we have our sponsors come here all the time. And a part of their weekend, besides studying and meeting at our place, they get to come over here. Our interstate group, we've been with them 31 years, they came over here in road cars. Uh, Christopher took them around, made laps, and then they got to drive cars themselves. You talk about an experience and something that, that people are not going to forget. Uh, so it's a thrill for us to obviously be here and be a part of all this. And I appreciate them and, you know, I love, I had a chance to yell at Bruton on his 90th birthday, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Bruce, Bruton and I have shared a few things, too, in the past. I think uh, it's it's fun kind of being a part of all this. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Coach, uh, the last time the Coke 600 was as eventful as tonight's was, was 2005, and uh, that was the race where Bobby Labonte ended up losing it off the turn four, lost it in a photo finish to Jimmy Johnson. Uh, when the Coke 200 is like this, I'm sure that it's a very mentally, uh, emotionally taxing race. So after all that, after all what we saw tonight, what is it like to be on the on the other end of a race like this? Well, it's a it's a thrill. You know, first of all, when we come here. It's going to be the longest, and tonight, I would say, like I said, one of the most physical, exhausting, and punishing races. And so to go through all that and um, to survive it, really, and have a chance to win it and to have three of our cars up there. I hated it with Martin. He actually, I think, finished 12th or, or something like that. So really, really um, proud of our guys, proud of our people. It's always you win with people. It's not cars, and we got great people. I just thank God that, um, you know, that we're a part of a real family uh, race team. That's really what it is. We got people, and this Christmas we gave out 30-year uh, celebrations to some of our people who have been there 30 years and built the race team. Which one of the hogs do you think would have lasted uh, <laughs> this long in this race? <laughs> the hogs, man, I got to tell you. I remember those guys, too. Those are a few memories. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't quite understand the question there. What was it? Joe Jacoby. Uh, oh, Jacob, you Mann. were talking about the Hawks. Yes, I was. 
you talk about a group now that'll turn the inside out. Is that group? Uh, no, I was blessed to be around great players in the NF the NFL, and I've been blessed to be around great players here. Guys that really Chris Gabehart organizing all that, doing all he had to do this week. Uh, you know, he's the coach here. Thank you. All right, real quick before we go upstairs for a question and then come back downstairs, um, just a quick follow-up, Joe, to Steve's um, second question related to this current success of Toyota. Oh, well, the wins, we haven't – we've got off to a slow start this year. We haven't – the wins, but I do think over the last three weeks, you know, we're starting to um, find our way. I think with the new car, it's just a different package. And like I said, other people, you know, have done a better job than we did earlier. And so we're we're playing a little bit catch-up. I, I think right now, though, we're starting to find our way. All right, we're going to go upstairs for a question from Jim Utter. Go ahead, Jim. Jim Utter, Motorsports.com for Coach. You alluded to this a little earlier. Um, on pit road tonight, you had uh, some successes, obviously, in the 11 team, uh, some 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 problems on a couple of the others. I was just wondering, um, David Wilson had talked recently about the effort to try to get pit road cleaned up for an organization that's uh, kind of been one of the tops on pit road. Has this been a difficult problem to address? Yes. Uh, it's a totally different challenge. Uh, we have single lug nut now, a total different choreography. And, um, you know, we, we've, uh, some people have handled it better than we have. And so certainly I really feel terrible that we've, you know, hurt um, Christopher and DeWalt and uh, Tonight Yahoo and his sponsors there. And we've also hurt Martin. And uh, uh, so it, it really is, a, you feel, you, you really feel like you let people down when that happens. So we're behind. We've got to find a way to fix it. So um, to me, it's most, most of the time that's hard work. We got some of our crews are going two a days. So uh, we need to find a way to fix it. Okay, we're going to come back downstairs and take a final question here from Bob. Parker's Fox Sports. He said he kind of didn't even know how to explain this race. Saw a lot of tires. He saw drivers spinning out. We saw a car flip. Uh, was this a good day for the next-gen car? Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I, well, I think for sure everybody else will judge that. But I, I felt like uh, certainly was a lot of action and everything. I think, it, like I said, it was a – I would say this is a real, it was a real challenge. I mean, if you can get through that. Uh, everything that happened t tonight, uh, a lot did happen. And so uh, I know everybody, all the fans will kind of, you know, make a decision on that. I think all of us that are racing the cars uh, still getting to know it, and I think we're making improvements as we go with it. And I think NASCAR is fully on board, and so that's really good. And I think our fans, uh, you know, I know we've had some real good races, and there's been real positives with it. All right. Joe, thank you for spending yeah. some time you with bet. us. Thank you. We really appreciate it, and uh, congratulations again on that win.
Here we go. He's officially arrived. We are now joined by our race winner this evening in tonight's Coca-Cola 600. We've been joined by Denny Hamlin, driver of the number 11 FedEx Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. Congratulations, Denny. We had a conversation here yesterday evening about winning the poll, how much you wanted to win this race, and just tell us a little bit of what it feels like to actually be able to bring home that trophy tonight. Yeah, it feels great, obviously. Um, you know, it, it uh, wasn't looking good for about 398 laps, and uh, considering our day, it, it uh, I was going to be pretty content with a fourth place finish, and um, you know, I just knew with that number one pit stall, we had an opportunity if everyone pitted that we could come out first, and we didn't, but we were the first car on, on four tires, and um, yeah, it just it worked out. Things things worked out for us. Uh, they they haven't worked out very well for the first 12 races in a lot of different ways, but certainly this one was uh, one that uh, we capitalized on, on the opportunity. Uh, you know, we managed the race. We, we knew we didn't have the fastest car, the best car by any means, um, but we just stayed in the race, didn't make any mistakes, and uh, gave ourselves an opportunity when, when, when the uh, opportunity arrives for us. All right. We're going to open for questions. If you have one, raise your hand, and we're going to try to get to as many questions as we can. We'll start up here with Trenton and then go back to Don. Hmm. Hey, Danny. Uh, Trenton with Franchise.com. Congrats on your first Coke 600. Um, tonight was, I mean, I mean, Katy Perry made a song about it. You have your highs and lows. You're up and you're down. You're hot and you're cold. Take us through your, the, your night, starting from the pole, winning, winning this race. And then um, you said on Junior's podcast you'd walk away. You know, you, you'd want to walk away from the sport as a winner. Is this the type of race you'd want to walk away from as a winner? Well, it's, um, you know, I'm not near the end of my career by, by any means, but this certainly is one that uh, will, will be on the resume. You know, when, when you're done and, you know, they're, you're looking at all your accolades, the Coke 600 is, is way up there. And, and I've had 17 tries at it and hadn't, want it until today so it's just uh it means a lot and you know we started on the pole and i thought that we were just going to stay up front most of the day but we just weren't very good <laughs> to be honest we we battled with the car we were tight we were loose but we overall just didn't have the grip that we needed and um yeah it was a struggle most of the day but we just stayed in it and and never really got ourselves outside the top 10 really outside the top eight we just kind of stayed in that spot and um you know, we, we capitalized and made our car better in the final stage. I was able to charge up to fourth, and I thought that was about all the potential that we had in the car. Uh, but when the caution came out, it was like, here we go. We got an opportunity to, to win, and, and finally something, uh, you know, kind of went our way. All right, Don, go ahead. Don Jeffrey, CSPN Media. Uh, Danny, just talk about uh, congratulations, first of all. Uh, but just talk about maybe it's just the rebound the sport needed after last weekend, all the controversy and, um, you know, just people disappointed in the overall racing product uh, that the All-Star Race uh, delivered. And then tonight with all the carnage, the passing, uh, just talk about the, you know, the sport as a whole. Was this the, you know, shot in the arm that we needed after last week? Yeah, I mean, certainly had some good, good moments uh, today and in, in, the, in the end as well. Anytime you have a green-white checkered, you're going to have some, some pretty exciting moments. And everyone's going to drive really hard because this is a, a marquee event. Um, and so I, I knew that Sparks were probably going to fly on the first green-white checkered, especially with guys with a little bit older tires. And then you had guys with four tires like myself. And so 
um, yeah, it's good to have a, a race that, uh, you know, was, was competitive. I thought that, uh, I, you know, I don't know how many lead changes or, you know, guys led laps, but it seemed like a pretty competitive race for the most part. Um, the, the groove kind of moved around a little bit. Uh, at the end, it kind of got a little bit top lane dominant, but it's just uh, it's just part of it. And, and it's um, we haven't been able to run the wall at this track for many, many years. So um, I think a lot of that had to do with them not spraying more than one coat of resin on the track. Uh, that was a big factor. And um, yeah, it was a it was a good day. I mean, I I, I got to go back and watch the race to see what kind of racing, but I'm sure we're, we're, we're going to dissect it and always continue to improve. All right, we're going to come up front to Bob. I had to the first kind of follow-up on that one. I mean, you had all the tires blowing. You had guys spinning out. We saw a car get, air, get you know, flipped several times. I mean, was this a good day for the next-gen car? I, I need to go back and watch it, I, honestly. I, I to give a, a proper assessment for it. Listen, we, we there's some work and it's going to evolve. And, and every time we change cars and we have a new generation, it takes like a significant amount of time to get it right. Um, this is was a major overhaul uh, of a car. I mean, other than it had a steering wheel and four tires, there just wasn't much that was similar to the previous generation car. And that car had been honed in for long time. Uh, this one still has some work to do. Um, we got to do some testing to, to try to, you know, fix it in, in some areas. Uh, but in the meantime, we're still having some pretty good racing um, on, on nights like tonight, I think. I mean, I, I from where I was at, I, if you were good, you could make up positions. If you weren't, um, you, you lost some. You know, when I was bad, I fell back. And when I was good, I was able to charge forward. So that was encouraging. But certainly, I, you know, I think you know, kind of jury's still out and, and trying to figure out exactly how we can make this good at every track we go to. And not considering that this is a crown jewel and one that you haven't won, you won the longest race in NASCAR history when I it comes to it. miles. I believe it. What, do you, what was the ETA on that? Uh, I don't, I was 619.5 was the miles. The ETA was a little over five hours, I believe. Each. Hopefully, yeah. And y'all watched every lap intently, didn't you? <laughs> no breaks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, Tim Olson, Burn Rubber Podcast. After a slow start to the season, do you feel a sense of relief that results are finally starting to match your pace? Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were kind of slow, and, and I, I, I challenged Joe Gibbs Racing to uh, – keep a win-loss record. Um, they do in every other sport, and as a team, you have, you know what your record is because you've got a win-loss. So we've kind of, um, what I've kind of said is that if we've got more than one car that is capable of winning in our organization, we'll count it as a win. If we don't, then it's a loss. Um, you can't just count on one guy to, to win. We started the season one and four, and that was not good. Uh, the only one, and we don't count super speedways, um, the only one was Las Vegas. And since, um, you know, I don't know whether we'll count today as a win or loss. You know, I think that I'm not sure, um, you know, any of us were the top two cars. Uh, that Again, i got to rewatch and, and dissect it. But um, I know last week we our record was eight and five at, at that point. So we had 
gone on a really good run of seven and one uh, over the last eight races. So we've been trending in the right direction. And um, so, yes, it's long-winded, but it's certainly encouraging that even when you don't have the fastest car, you can go out there and find a way to win. All right. Our next question will come from Aaron. Uh, Aaron Bearden, Motorsport Speed. Congrats, Denny. The overtime restart where you took the lead, I think you guys were three wide off the of floor. At what point along that did you kind of realize that you had a run there and had a shot at it? Well, I knew that that there was going to be a lot of guys that were going to miss the corner. They were going to drive in way too deep. And so I actually backed up my corner to make sure I got off the corner extremely low because typically – when you guys drive in too deep, they're going to wash up the track. So I need I needed to make sure I got off the corner really low and with a good run. Um, what what your instincts say as a driver when you're trying to go for the lead is just drive it in as deep as you can on corner entry. And then what happens is you get usually get bobbled, and then you have a terrible run on corner exit. And I thought the only way I could win is to get a good run on exit and hope they washed up the track. And it and it it, it happened exactly that way. So. Uh, I still thought that we were in a really good spot until the last Greenwald checker and Kyle was able to lay back and then get a run to our outside. And I did not like our chances, to be honest with you. But I just, I'd run the bottom so much. I did in qualifying in three and four. I was able to stay beside them and then just drove in really deep into one and cleared them. And uh, I guess more of a question for Denny, the car owner. You might not know too much about this yet. There was kind of a miscommunication deal with the 23 car bubble was really fast he got caught up in that wreck toward the end of stage two he kind of laid back and they were trying to save tires i think but they actually didn't make minimum and got basically failed the dvp because of it and fell out what as a team do you guys do to i guess make sense and understand that what's the debrief process for something like that like next early this week hmm uh yeah i mean that's news to me but i knew we were in the same wreck and they told us to um, – <clears throat> I thought you had a certain amount of laps to, to do that. Three? And it was three laps? Wow. Technicalities, man. Wow, we played by the rules this week, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Al. Uh, they, oh, yeah, they, they got a – I mean, my team told me that we needed to run a lap to clear DVP. Um, if they didn't, then it's on them. Yeah, Denny Al Pierce at Auto Week. With about 10 or 12 to go in Chastain and, and – Larson are, are gone, pretty much. At that point, are you just hoping to salvage your top five yes. or top four? I was, willing, or, I was ready to get out of you, here. You knew they were, That's right. they were gone. Yep, I was ready to get out of here. Uh, fourth place is about the highest that I was most of the day, and I just I was hanging on at that point. I, somebody was running me down for fourth, and I was, I mean, I was white knuckling it. My car was not very good. Um, I, I didn't realize I had as much damage to the front end as I had, so I don't know how much that really affected our car. But um, yeah, we were—I was ready to get out of here. But 
you know, certainly when the caution came out, I was like, okay, well, for sure we're all going to pit. There's no one that's going to stay out too many laps on tires. And I knew that we had the number one pit stall. So I was like, there's an opportunity for us to come out first here and steal a win, but we stole it a different way. All right, Steve, go ahead. Hey, Danny, in Lehman's terms, why are there so many spin-outs and crashes? I think there were 17, 16, 17 cautions tonight. What is yeah. happening? The uh, the car has less side force so and, and less general downforce. So um, in our old car, you could kind of hang out. You know, the, the right side was a billboard. It was flat. And so it caught air. Anytime you, you know, stick your hand out of the window, it you can feel it. Well, this one's all rounded. So the, you, the moment it gets sideways, it just spins out. So you don't have as much aerodynamics that keeps the car planted to the track. All right, Peter, go ahead. Peter Trout at TSA Sports. Denny, I believe you're now one win behind Tony Stewart's win total. Just what does that mean to you, given that you were pretty involved in Tony's last win? Yes, I was. Um, it's uh, humbling for sure. I mean, you know, we're you know starting to pass guys on the win list that I just uh, I don't know. I, I can't carry their helmets. I mean, they're they're a lot better, a lot more talented, but I just been really fortunate to be with a really good team my whole career and and that's I've been I've been very lucky <laughs> for sure so uh, it's it's pretty humbling to to kind of get there and um, you know hopefully hopefully I can pass them that's pretty close all right Jeff Jeff Hood of RacingToday.com. Denny, the Indianapolis 500 and, of course, this race were both sold out. You yep. probably noticed a lot of folks here um, tonight. How important was that, in your opinion, um, for motorsports to have such a banner day? Yeah, it was really good. It's good to see, you know, the Indy 500 with 300,000 people or, or whatever it is uh, here. Uh, you know, the biggest crowd we've had in, you know, probably seven, eight years for sure. Uh, it, it just – it really reminds you of how big the event is. And so uh, it appears that, you know, the younger generation is starting to fall in love with motorsports again, which is really, really good and, and encouraging. Um, you know, once we, we get them here, we gotta got to get them back, got to get them to go next week. Um, you know, that's the momentum that we hope to keep. But um, the fact that they are willing to come uh, for – a five-hour and 18-minute race, uh, it, it means a lot. And so they're doing doing a lot of good things. All right. Any questions upstairs? All right. We're going to go to Noah. Noah Lewis, TSJ Sports. Uh, Denny, you know, you just learned a few things about the team cars um, tonight. But for you, when, you know, you talked about at Richmond, you got out, and then it didn't take long to look down at the score and pile on and go, you know, damn, what what happened? Uh, how do you balance that? I mean, you you want to celebrate the Coke 600, mm -hmm. but also you got to put your owner hat on and go, man, another kind of rough night for the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a rough night, but also a really good night. I mean, Bubba was really fast and Kurt was fast. It just didn't work out for him. But I'm more happy about where that team's speeds showing right now um they've been they've been some of the best Toyotas week in week out which is 
really encouraging. Um, so they're taking what we have at JGR and they're, they're making it better, which is the whole what we're trying to do in the first place. So it's really going well. Uh, but this wind's too big for me to kind of worry about that right now, um, simply because of the significance of it to me. So um, tomorrow we'll, we'll dissect, well, Tuesday we'll, we'll look after it. All right, go ahead. Uh, Denny, Scott Fowler from the Charlotte Observer. What was your view of the 17 when it was flipping, if anything, and or on the replay, and just how dangerous or scary is that to a race car driver as opposed to a layman where it looks really scary? Yeah, I mean, it, it, those type of wrecks look scarier than they, they really are. Um, you know, anytime that there's energy being dispersed, when it's rolling, it's getting rid of energy. Uh, you would much rather roll a car like that than blow right front and, you know, just dead one right to the... I'm sure there was other guys probably said that they hit harder than what probably Chris said. But I watched it, uh, the replay, uh, when we were parked there for the red flag. It looked like his right front uh, got caught uh, on the edge of the turf, and that's what did it, which it's amazing that that could get a car flipped over. But, um, yeah, I mean, we... I, I, we can't say much bad about turf because we hate grass. Um, there's no place in our sport for grass. So um, I think that, uh, you know, it's just, it would look like it's just a weird deal that happened that you don't see every day. All right. We're going to go to Dawn in the back, and then we're going to wrap with Matt over here. Uh, we heard during the testing for the new car just about uh, the heat and, you know, how uncomfortable the cockpit was for the drivers. This was a very hot day. We're getting into the summer months. Uh, how do you feel as far as comfortability with the heat uh, in the new car? You know, I, I generally don't get bothered with heat as much as some other drivers do. You know, um, I don't run a cool suit unless it's, you know, burning up outside. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, I've been doing it for forever, and I don't know if it, my body's just kind of used to it. Uh, it could be the way that I hydrate um, that that changes that. But just in general, I, I usually just don't sweat that much. So uh, I didn't really get bothered by the heat at all. I'm just I'm starving. All right, we're going to take one final question so Denny can maybe get something to maybe. eat. Go ahead, Matt. Matt Weaver, Racing America. Um, we've talked about the championship pursuit kind of ad nauseum uh adding another crown jewel to your personal resume you talked about the significance of this win uh what is kind of the immediate kind of reflection on what that means and when does it dawn on you later that hey i get a, i get a chance to check off another one off the box yeah i mean every year it's just like a new opportunity right and we've gone into the playoffs so many times as the best car and and running well and this year it's just you know gone so awful for the first third that you know it just you never know this <laughs> this could be the year that you know just we we sleep our way there and and I don't know but um yeah it's I already got a couple wins in the first you know third of the of season uh especially with us still working to try to get good at all racetracks uh I really think I'm pretty encouraged about where we're at and uh, I, I, I didn't really like my playoff spot simply because we didn't have very many playoff points but no one does there's been no domination in our sport right now um, from anyone and so it's hard to find any consistency from anyone 
so it's it's allowed the playoff points to get spread out all all over the place. So there's not two to three guys like you've seen in the past that's got 40 or something entering the playoffs. You probably won't have that this year. So I think it's just going to be more wide open, um, and it's going to force the guys who have been up front all year with to, to have to run every round. And you're not going to be able to just kind of walk your way to the next round uh, like, like some of the guys have in the past, like we have in the past. And a question about Sam on top of the pit box. I know you guys have so much data for crew chiefs to kind of base their decisions off of. What was it like working with him and kind of uh, the way that he handled the pressure of, you know, doing this job in this big of a race? Yeah, I mean, the most interesting thing I noticed is that he was really trying his best to motivate me uh, throughout the day. And so that uh, uh, is good because, it, you, you know, listen, he, he he'll, he'll be a crew chief full-time one day, so uh, it's a big difference from when he's stepped in to, pre, you know, to crew chief other times. Um, actually, I thought he was one for one. I forgot he had, he's done this before uh, he's filled in, but um, he's, he's getting better and he's, he's growing up and he's uh, obviously got a great mentor in Chris Gavehart who's, he's worked under now for the last three years. So it's, uh, it was good. It really was good. And it, you know, we've got three more weeks of it. So we, uh, we're, we're going to continue to work on it. But I was very happy with uh, his confidence in the calls he was making tonight. All right, Denny, thank you for your time. Uh, congratulations again on that win. The Speedway did text me to let me know when you go up to the Champagne Toast, they will have food waiting for you. So, Right on. Congrats again. All right, we'll be back Thursday night. I'll be on my way to Worldwide Technology for the inaugural cup race. Kyle will be in, so hang on, buckle down. We'll see y'all Thursday night. Follow and subscribe. You're not following me on TikTok, it's not on some good videos.